Hello, and welcome to Scene to Song, a musical theater podcast for people who love to discuss, critique, and celebrate musicals as a literary art form. I'm your host, Shoshana Greenberg, and each week I'll bring on a guest to talk about a musical, musical theater writers, or a topic or trend in musical theater. My guest today is Julia Meinwald. Julia is a composer whose musicals include Pregnancy Pact, Reb, Vak, and Me, The Magnificent Seven, Something Blue, and The Loneliest Girl in the World, which is finishing up a run at San Diego's Diversionary Theater. Julia and I were also classmates at NYU's Graduate Musical Theater Writing Program. We're going to talk today about comedy in musical theater. are going to get started with just some get-to-know-our-guest questions. Um, first one is, what was your first experience with a musical? Let's see. So I remember going to see Les Miserables on Broadway with my parents when I was in elementary school, and I felt absolutely in love with it, and I cried, and I didn't realize at the time that everyone likes Eponine, and it's not like most people like Cosette and you're special because you like Eponine. So I thought, you know, I was extra sensitive. And then I went home and I bought the book of Les Miserables. Like the novel? Like the novel. <laughs> and I would sit, like, reading it during quiet reading time in fourth grade, being, like, very proud that I was reading such a large book. Was there a musical you saw, I guess, before your first Broadway show or a musical experience? I'm trying to remember. Can I answer just two other musicals I saw early on that sure. felt, like, deeply impactful? Yeah. So... I am from Ithaca, New York, which is the home of the Hangar Theater, mm-hmm. and they did, the, I forget how old I was, but again, I was like about 10 or 11, Yeah, they did a production of Falsettos, Oh yeah. and I fell so deeply in love with it. I made, my nice mom took me to see that show mm-hmm. five times. Oh my gosh. I saw it in a production in Philadelphia when I was like 12. <gasps> Yeah. Were you similarly moved? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, it's hard to remember my exact emotions, but um, I knew the kid in it playing same, Jason same. from my camp. Um, so we went, it was at the Arden Theater in Philadelphia, and oh, wow. um, yeah, I definitely remember seeing it. But then I I didn't remember it, like, so well, like, years later. So yeah, I, I, got- I revisited it, I had to, like, ref- refresh my memory of yeah. After I saw it all those times, I got the CDs, and I would play them over and over, and mm-hmm. I got the piano vocal selections, and I would try to play those. I would actually, yeah. when I was that young, before I, like, learned more about shame, I would make my mom, I would make my mom play the piano so I could sing the songs. I would have little, nice. like, home karaoke. Nice. So there's that one, and the other yeah. one that really affected me early on was Sweeney Todd, oh, which wow. I also just saw over and over. How old were you when you first saw that? Gosh, a little bit older. I feel like Sweeney Todd was like two or three years after Falsettos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was, so it was like not a scary experience. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was a little, a little scary, but not yeah. like traumatizing. Right, right. What, did you have a scary Sweeney Todd experience? No, I didn't see Sweeney Todd until I was in graduate school. Oh, when wow. we, uh, did we, we had to watch it, or we were studying it. We definitely studied it for so, yeah it for a class, Brad's class. Yeah, so I think that's when I I knew of it, but had never seen it, and I think that's when I was like, okay, I have to I have to watch this now. <laughs> I have to know this show. Yeah. Um, and then not long after that, so I watched like the video of the original, and then not long after that, the John Doyle production came out, which I saw. So it was interesting. Like, so the John Doyle was your first live Sweeney Todd. Live, yeah. 
But um, it, but yeah, it wasn't until like I was an adult that I <laughs> that I experienced that show. But I knew a lot of people loved it. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that one more than maybe Lim is holds up, even if for an adult viewer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't, I saw the film version of Les Mis, but I haven't seen Les Mis again on stage since I was 10 years old. Yeah, shame. I've been avoiding it because I don't <laughs> want to be disillusioned in any way. Right, right. I just want to love it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what uh, is the last great musical you saw and why? Okay. The SpongeBob SquarePants musical. Oh, yeah. I really love. I haven't seen it yet, and I wasn't a SpongeBob viewer, so. Me neither. I've yeah. never seen the show, so I was expecting to feel alienated for that reason and because I think it's a younger demographic. Right, right. And when I went, I was actually sort of charmed. There were so many young kids mm -hmm. in the theater. Oh, that's great. Which felt like really festive, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I love the production design that I've seen just yeah. you know, pictures of. Like, it's so silly. I mean, I honestly was like moved to tears of happiness when they do this thing at the end. And I was mentioning this moment to someone else. It's like a moment and like all these beautiful bubbles come down and like you, the mm -hmm. things have been resolved and it's going to be okay. And when I was mentioning the specific bubbles to someone else, they were like, oh, I forgot that even happened. Uh, but for me, just like everything aligned and it yeah, felt really yeah. like open-hearted and fun and silly. And right, right. I thought it was like the perfect version of what you could do. What uh, musical has made you laugh the hardest? Hmm. Which kind of segues into our discussion. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to think, because I mean, I did recently re-see Hamilton, yeah. and there are parts of Hamilton that are very funny, mm -hmm. but part of it, like, it goes by so quickly, you don't have time to yeah, be yeah. laughing that hard. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I hadn't heard people talk about it as, like, an, uh, like they don't speak of it as, like, a funny show. Right. It's very witty. Yeah. I think it's funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably is, but they just, that's not like, like the even first these, thing Yeah, 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 it's not like it's main agenda. Right, right. There's this little throwaway line where he's talking to, I forget who, the one who's a tailor, mm -hmm. who he, like, meets the three people who are going to be his, like, friends and, you know, compatriots in this bar, and they all do a little rap introduction of themselves, and yeah. he, one of them mentions something about, like, being a tailor and making pants, and his, like, response to him is just, like, just shoot off, I think your pants are nice, which I always <laughs> think is just, like, funny. Yeah, yeah. What else has really made me laugh recently? You know, this isn't live, but Crazy Ex-Girlfriend oh, has yeah. been growing on me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Musical moments that make me laugh. Yes, definitely. Um, and I used, yeah, I used to not be as into the musical numbers of yeah, that show. Yeah, same. I think they've gotten better. They've gotten. I think they've definitely gotten better. There was what my like new favorite. So, uh, I guess moment song moment from that show is that I go to the zoo <gasps> that one oh. I just think that is so funny and like the um, just like the, it really works with that character yeah and, like, I like that character so much yeah and um, and just just the idea that he would like that he would go to the zoo but know the night guards and then when one of the night guards isn't there it's really upsetting to him yeah <laughs> and there's something structurally interesting right something happens in the bridge that makes the return does he get kicked out of somewhere and then he goes back to the he zoo he goes he goes first he goes to the la zoo uh -huh. then he goes to the san diego zoo which is a much better zoo you okay. can tell i've listened to the song a lot <laughs> and then he goes to the aquarium um when the zoo, sometimes the zoo isn't enough, that's the bridge. Mm, mm, and then mm -hmm. he goes to the aquarium. That's so funny. Yeah. I also like, yeah, I, I tend to be pretty allergic to anything 
that's the main joke of it is making fun of the idea yes. that it's a musical. Yes. But for some reason, that show does it in a way that I'm okay with. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's like it walks a line of being like character driven, but also it's but it does like make fun of the genre a little or bit. Or it's almost like the way that it's making fun of the genre is saying. Like, usually you don't have room for something this silly or this dumb or this vulnerable, mm-hmm. but we're squeezing it in there. Yeah, So yeah. it's sort of like, it's like I like that they're squeezing those things in, even right. though part of the squeezing is a commentary on how you don't usually see this stuff. Right, right. And uh, but I also think because the songs are so character Driven, specific, like they use like the style of the song to like mm-hmm. fit with the character. Aww. Like the I Go to the Zoo song is very, is this like musical style that he would like, you know. Yeah, and they the, used to always give the, oh, what's the name of the super dreamy one who was on season one? Santino. Um, Santino, yeah, Fontana. Fontana. Yeah. I feel like they would always give him these like classic musical theater yeah. dapper songs. Mm-hmm. That was his vibe. Right. So it's like, it's, it is making fun of it. It's it's self-aware, but in a way that's still character-motivated, which you kind of, like, in a way, you just forgive because it's like, that's so yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you can tell it comes from a place of loving the form. Yeah. I know that they would all probably say they come from a place of loving the form, but yeah. some you don't feel it as much. Right, right. Um, cool. Well, let's have that segue into our discussion yeah. topic, which is comedy and musical theater. Hmm. And um, so, yeah, I think you posed this question: Can a musical, can a musical be inherently funny, or can the music in a musical yes. be inherently funny? This was inspired. Do you remember the lab we had about comedy songs yes. in grad school? And I remember that was a question. It was. I feel like that that lab had such bad vibes around it. I'm sure I left it and wept. It was yeah. just. I actually had a very good experience <laughs> with that assignment. Why would you just remind me what you wrote? Um, so this assignment was to take um, the movie, uh, what was it, Waiting for Guffman, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, were we, we were either given characters or we had just had we to had pick. We had to pick from four characters, We had to I pick uh, and do a, a comedy song moment. <coughs> and uh, so mine was... Uh, Oh my God, Parker Posey's character, whose name I'm not remembering. I don't remember any of their names now. Um, it was like this moment where she was like frying some things in a barbecue, I think, and she was saying like, uh, "Corky, come back." Corky had left, and it was like, "Corky, come back" or something. And the song was like about how much she misses Corky, and then it like kind of went, it like touched on like maybe she loves him kind of thing. This was this horrible lab where. Someone was coming in to do a master class on comedy song and just really mm-hmm. didn't like most of our songs. Right, right. And then made some pronouncements that I found very disheartening about how, you know, music can't be funny. It's not music's place in a comedy song to try to be showy and fancy. Right. Just let the funny lyricists do their thing. Right. It was like the music has to get out of the way yeah. of the funny words. Yeah. But there was definitely some moments in some people's songs where the music was funny. I remember that. <laughs> and it's not even that I thought that, that I had any particularly funny musical moments. Yeah. I just, on principle. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So my thought on can music be funny is yes. I also think that like the biggest way that composers need to like have a sense of humor and can succeed or fail is in lyric setting. Mm-hmm. 
I think that you can definitely kill a punchline in a lyric mm. if you said it in a way that's not clear. And I do think there are just like funnier and less funny ways with like pacing right. and range to set up a joke. Yeah. What are some, I guess, examples of uh, ones you think are successful? Well, I mean, like something like I think part of the reason I think Hamilton is funny mm-hmm. is because they're like the the witty things in there. They're so sort of casual, you know, like they're not calling mm-hmm. attention to like here is a special joke. Right, right. I think that is helpful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember in the lab one of the examples was the uh, the um, from Little Shop, the somewhere that's green. Mm-hmm. But all I mean all of Little Shop is is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um but that was but I think that was also one of the examples where she was like the music gets out of the way yeah. and the lyric um just lets the lyric you know go. I mean, there are some things, I think, even with, like, a genre choice that's funny. Like, yeah. even sort of, like, deciding to set something, like, in a little shop in that doo-wop style. And right. being like, it's doo-wop, but this is what we're talking about. Right. Isn't inherently sort of pleasing. Right, right. Yeah. It's And going back to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, it's, like, the style It's the style choice yeah. of the music that's funny. It's not just, like, what is the music doing, you know, in this moment. And also, I do think, you know, anything, like, if you're saying that the music is what someone that the words are what someone is saying, but the music gives you a clue into what they're feeling, mm-hmm. you know, playing with right. how aligned you are with what they're saying, right. I think can lead to funny choices. Yeah, for sure. Um, another question you posed was, do we have different standards for musical theater funny um, as opposed to just, you know, funny, yeah. normal funny or, I guess, funny in other genres? Like stand-up comics or something, right. like a perfect joke, and you're like... Which to me, a lot of that feels so like insight based and based on really like identifying a thing that you can relate to. Right, right. Which I feel like I don't know. Sometimes musical theater does that on a broad scale. Like if you think about like title of show, mm-hmm. like I'd rather be nine people's favorite thing than whatever big number is ninth right. favorite thing. That to me is is funny in the same way that some stand up is funny because yeah. it's just like identifying a thing we've all felt and saying it in a right. clever way. And I forgot about title show, but I remember that being such a funny funny show, funny experience in the theater. But it also I think what that show also does is it references other musicals, which can be another way that musicals are funny. Yeah, yeah. That I hadn't thought about <laughs> until this <laughs> moment. Yeah. But to go back to Lynn Manuel Miranda, yeah. like the little thing in the heights that you must take the eight chain. Oh yeah, yeah. And all the even like it's not funny, but I don't know why I'm talking about Hamilton so much. It is because I just saw it, I guess. But yeah, yeah. That they do a pull of nobody needs to know from the last five years mm-hmm. in the scene where Hamilton is having spoiler alert his yeah. affair. Right, right. And that's. It's not funny in either of those shows, right? But it does, like, ping something delightful, just making right. the connection, right? And I remember in title of show there was this moment where in like one of the songs it like suddenly referenced into the woods, just like out of the blue, um, just like the music was like starting to sound like into the woods, huh. and then like they said a line from it, um, and it was just like the funniest thing, but that only reaches an audience of people who are, like, involved in music, like, know the musical theater canon so much. Right. That, and know. that's the only way those things can be successful, I feel like, is to just decide 
I'm going for the people who will get this already. I'm not going to explain, you know, like, well, this is from Into the Woods. Right, yeah. So I think, yeah, so I think in those situations, it's got to be, like, just there for, you know, the people for whom it's there for, and then, but it's still doing, like, other things like I'm sure Hamilton does because yeah. it's super successful with non-musical <laughs> theater people. Right. But yeah. It broke through. Right. <laughs> do we think there are different kind of standards? I do think so. Mm-hmm. I think I think also and I don't know why this is like you know just like a really clever lyric. Mm-hmm. Like if someone reads me a clever lyric. Yeah that is probably never going to make me laugh out loud. Right. But seeing a really clever lyric set and performed in the context of a show mm. can. Yeah. And I don't I don't know why that is exactly. Hmm. Yeah. It's like something with like the cadence maybe of like or just like Yeah, the, the context it sits in. Yeah. Or yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and one of the mysteries yeah. <laughs> of musical theater. But um yeah. Um, so I also, we wanted to talk about improv and sketch. Yes. Humor, uh, musicals that, um, uh, you know, are from that world. Yeah, this has been on my mind because I not too long ago took a musical improv course. Mm-hmm. And I like watching musical improv a lot. And I think it's so fun to do. And when I took this course, the idea, and maybe this is the only the idea that they teach to beginners, mm-hmm. but... Sort of the guiding philosophy was, you know, making things sort of big and having an element of spectacle is a key part of this thing not to be ignored. Mm -hmm. And for me, the minute things feel big and spectacular, I start feeling disconnected from them. Like, if I'm, like, a performer trying to, like, do this, it's hard for me to, like, do that in what feels like like a genuine, emotionally grounded way. Yeah. I do think, though, I mean, with musical improv, I think a lot of what makes it impressive is just watching people do it that fast. Right, right, and being like, wow, like, they came up with that, like, the rhymes, like, how did they do that? How did they make that rhyme so, you know? Yeah, Yeah. and, like, the places, the places it can go, you know, like, plots go in such weird directions. Yeah. Like, that you would probably never, like premeditatedly make that choice so it's sort of wonderful to see right just like the mad capery of it right right yeah I haven't seen too much of that stuff but what I have seen it's like there's there's such an energy to it that um yeah that is like so I guess uh, compelling when you're watching it yeah and and it's cool like just like when we're writing songs when we make a decision about song form based on what we're doing yeah with those things like, since the pianist and the performers are just sort of feeling each other out and mm-hmm. on the fly figuring out what song form they're in. Yeah. Like that's cool to watch. Right, right. Yeah, it's like, do they just come up with it, like, on the spot? Like, now like, we're going to do verse-chorus, and here's the chorus. and Like, from what I can tell, in, in the one class I took, I'm sure that everyone has a million different ways of doing this, mm-hmm. but they would lay out, like, there'd be a common understanding that, like, when we do a show, yeah. like... The song forms that, you know, I could do are, you know, mm-hmm. like an AVA tape sitting over his chorus song or this or that. Yeah. And there's sort of common understandings about, like, the amount of repetition in a chorus versus the amount of... Mm-hmm. Usually there's something, if you're a performer and you want to do a thing, you're supposed to give a cue to the pianist that's like, mm-hmm. I'm doing a chorus and the way I'm cueing that is, like, the amount of stuff I'm repeating. Yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah, this actually makes me think uh, of another way things are funny is and which is rhyme. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which you know, in these improvs, it's like even heightened because like you're not you are not expecting them to rhyme because like how could someone rhyme <laughs> on the spot like that? That's yeah, so yeah. crazy. So like it even comes even more like unexpectedly. But even in just like you know non improv, you know comedy stuff the rhyme is so important to the comedy yeah. so many times and it's hard because yeah I feel like you know one of like the basic things that like makes things funny is it surprises you yeah. and with rhyme in a way it's so much harder to surprise a person because mm-hmm. your brain is already filling in what do I think is going to rhyme with this right, thing right. but if you can subvert that like all the better right and that's uh, yeah and that's what makes things can make things so much funnier if like it's a word that is yeah you're not expecting to come. Yeah, I do think also there is a difference between like clever and funny. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like a lot of the like really intense rhyme, what I'm really left with is like awe and respect right. more than amusement in a way. Right. It's way, and I, yeah, it's definitely the idea has to drive, like yeah, the funny yes. idea has to drive it more than just like the amazing rhyme scheme for sure. You could have like a two do line rhyme and it could <laughs> right. be like the funniest thing, but just the fact that. But it wouldn't be funny if it didn't rhyme. If right, thought, right. You know. Oh, I think that's funny too, especially when you look at lyricists who come from more of a playwriting background and are mm-hmm. not as sold on rhyme. It's funny. Some people who come from a not songwriting background, I feel like, are really, really lean on rhyme. So they're like, yeah. that's what you do, right? You rhyme. Right. And others really don't see the need for it. But I know that, like, right. Gordon always talks about, you know, like, one of the best things rhyme can do for you is just, like, put a little bit of, like, a shimmer on an idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think rhyme always has a function, um, whether it's for humor or to, like, point up a phrase or, you know, whatever it ends up being. But definitely humor is one of them. And it's also, it's just funny, like, to think about the, the whatever lines there are that are just, like, not a big rhyme, not a big thing. But if it didn't rhyme, it wouldn't be as funny. Yeah, totally. Like, and I think... Um, Somewhere That's Green is probably a good example of that. Those are not complicated rhymes in that song. But if that song didn't rhyme, I don't think it would be as funny. Yeah. Just because it's, the rhyme has like the playfulness of it and stuff. Um, It's funny as I'm thinking back in my head of just like other funny musicals and songs that are funny and why I think they're funny. Yeah. I'm realizing how much of what I actually end up appreciating is sort of like, sort of sad things or whatever in the context of something that is funny. Yeah. Like, I'm even thinking of, like, Avenue Q, like, I wish I could go back to college. Right. That's like, such that's a good song. Like, that's not even that funny. It's just a great song. Yeah. I, and it's just, like, so, like, tugs on, like, a certain feeling. I mean, I guess if you didn't have a good college experience, maybe not. <laughs> but, like, there's just such a, yeah, like, yes, I, like, that's totally it's like that relatable thing that maybe like what we were talking about before with the stand-up like it's yeah. just like this relatable thing and then you can throw in some funny jokes like staying <laughs> up late like wish we could do that again yeah <laughs> or like writing that paper you know yeah in the computer lab the existence of the computer lab right. is sort of funny and nostalgic right right so it like has all those like relatable moments where yeah. it's like so sad so like pulling on your heartstrings but yet so funny <laughs> because of all these yeah these references and yeah. Another one that I think is does a good job of like melding the funny and the dark is Next to Normal. Yeah. What was what are some funny moments in that show? Now I'm trying to I'm remember. thinking about Natalie's song where she's practicing piano. Oh, That's yeah. what it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, which leads us to our the question that I was talking about before, which was how comedic moments in otherwise serious Yes, yes. Oh, so that's a perfect example. Good. Yeah. We came back to it. Right, right. Which is like, you need, I mean, musical, there are some musicals that are all dark, of, of course, are all serious, but you definitely need these light moments. And yeah. some of them can be these incredibly funny moments in these, like, incredibly dark musicals and, like, how those work. Like, like agony and into yeah. the words, which is, like, hilarious and then you're like go back into like this serious yeah and it is you need a release from it I feel like and it is even it's the funnier because you're so ready for it yeah after being right tuned into everything else I think William Finn does that really well too like I think falsettos has some really funny moments. Definitely, definitely. I mean, Spelling Bee is, like, all funny, but... Yeah. <laughs> oh, Spelling Bee is so funny. Yeah. That's another good one. But but definitely in falsetto. Even, like, Elegies has some funny mm-hmm. moments. Yeah, to just, like... And that's kind of, like, also can be just, like, the sensibility of, you know, if you're making a show about, I guess, about humanity and life, <laughs> like, you have to have both, you know, things in there. Yeah, whereas, it makes like, it feel more realistic. Yeah, whereas, like, something like... Les Mis or You Miss Saigon, like those shows, those are just very, we're just going to go Yeah, it's funny also because I'm thinking Les Mis, I guess like Master of the House they is have supposed to com- be the comedy yeah, number. Yeah, they have a comedy number. Like, that song is not that funny. Yeah, yeah. You can, like, the actors can ham it up, but right. like. Sweeney Todd Have a Little Priest is actually funny, That I think. is very, I, yeah. But it's clever funny. It's clever funny and, yeah, well, yeah, I would say it's more clever funny. It, I just find that song just incredibly satisfying Mm -hmm. as just like one it like closes the act so it's just like it's building it's building and then it's just like act break (laughs) which is something I think the movie the film version of it could not solve oh that's such an interesting thing about movie musicals you don't get an act break you don't get an act break so if you that's a discussion for another day but (laughs) um, but with A Little Priest you also just I just like smile through that entire song one because it's clever but two because um, you're seeing Mrs. Lovett get exactly what she wants, oh, which is yeah. just like so, just so incredibly satisfying to me that oh, like I love it through that lens. Yeah, because it's like she wants him, and she's got him. Yeah. in this moment, and it's just like yeah, it's <laughs> so great. Um, but yeah, the movie version it had the song, it just doesn't build. It couldn't build it energy wise in the yeah. same way because it's not building to a release. Let's move on to our final uh, large section, which Mm -hmm. is talking about a song in musical theater that we want to talk about, why is this so good? Yay! And I did not know, so you picked Jeff by Joe Iconis, um, and I'm a big Joe Iconis fan. I did not know this song, so I'm glad to have been introduced to it. Okay. So why don't you just start off, I guess, with, uh, why you think this song is so good. So this song actually, I didn't realize it when I was picking it, but it does, part of why I think it is so good has to do with our topic, because mm-hmm. I think it is a song that starts out really jokey mm-hmm. and then goes to just seamlessly, smoothly ends up in a really dark and sad place. Yeah, for sure. And I love that both of those feelings live in it. Naked mm-hmm. Girl, I wonder what you think. Naked Korean girl, as I step off the ring. Oh, 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 naked Korean 
part of what I love is it just has one of my all-time favorite musical theater melismas. It's like basically a whole chorus where it's just uh uh uh, yeah, uh like yeah. over and over again. And you get the actor. I'm obsessed with the Jeremy Morse performance of this song on mm-hmm. YouTube. Yeah. I I'm sure other people have done it too, but Jeremy just like can do so much acting work without the words, but with like this really expressive musical phrase. of like why like how those musical interludes I guess can be so effective yeah in songs and like you know obviously I mean Joe wrote the music and lyrics you know <laughs> but as a lyricist like sometimes you don't you don't think about like and now we're gonna have a musical break right. where like this is dramatically gonna happen that's kind of like something the composer Kind of can can insert and yeah yeah like really take it away yeah <laughs> kind of take thing. it away composer yeah like yeah because I I mean I maybe some lyricists think about it but when I write lyrics I don't I don't think about like musical break <laughs> yeah yeah Gordon actually does it sometimes which I like like he'll just yeah. write something you know that's practically just oohs and ahs mm-hmm. you're like okay I guess I do a cool thing here yeah yeah oh that's cool that's cool if people think about it yeah yeah I also love with that song that like. It is a story song. Like, it's a yeah. very specific narrative of a thing that happens. But the story isn't, like, hitting you over the head, obvious with all the details. Like, you actually, to me, mm-hmm. the first time I heard it, I don't think I picked up the whole story. Yeah. And only on the second or third listen, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, that's Same what that means. That's what happened. I had to listen to it a few times because the first time I was like, what's happening? What's going on? Let me, like, replay... I mean, I'm sure it, there might be, like, if I were in the room with it, I would yeah. be different, but just, like, listening to it on YouTube, like, I needed to go back. Like, yeah, and I mean, you definitely get enough of the shape the yeah. first time to enjoy it, but I think it's nice that there's more if you yeah, go back. Yeah, yeah, and there is, like, such a turn. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I don't know if we but should the, give it away. I know. <laughs> give it away. Yeah. <laughs> but the turn... So, since I mean, you've probably listened more recently than me, do you mm. want to do a recap of the song? Well, it's about, so, okay, I mean, hopefully I have this correctly. It's, it's about this <laughs> guy. You can tag team it. Yeah, it's about this guy who is um, drinking, um, uh, or he's just a general drinker, and hmm. he is in his apartment, and he sees through the window this na- uh, naked girl who is Korean, and, uh, and at first you're like, oh no, this is going to be that kind of song. Yuck, I hate it. But Yeah, so he keeps like, he. it's kind of like his experience of watching her through the window and like how like free she is just, you know, walking around. And then... Um, yeah, that's another thing I love that changes in the song. The first chorus is absolutely played for a joke of like, He's singing reverently about this, like, naked chick across the street, right. and you're like, ha, that is dumb and funny and sort of gross. Yeah. But then when he, you return to the chorus the second time, mm-hmm. he, he bring in this thing that you were saying about, like, she just feels so free, yeah, and that's, she's like, so the opposite of everything that I am, and you start right. learning. It's like admiration yeah. for her, and just, like, the her body and her, like, 
spirit, you know? <laughs> and you start realizing how uncomfortable our narrator is in his own skin and how right. unhappy he is. Right. So then he just he decides to go over there and yeah. like he just counts up the floor levels <laughs> like right. where he is, where she is. And um, he's pretty drunk at this point in the song. Yeah, so he's been drinking a lot. And uh, and I think he yeah, he knocks on the door and when he sees her in person, it's like this he has this moment of like, oh, he goes in and he like sees his apartment yeah, through the window from her point and of view. realizes um, what it must be like for her to be watched or something. Yeah, or just yes. even what his life looks like from another perspective. Right, right. And it's really sort of like subtle and sad. And for me, it's also like really suspenseful on first less listen of like, oh, this drunk guy has actually barged into this yeah. other human apartment. It's like, it feels a little scary and you don't know what's going to happen and if he's going to hurt her or if she's going to hurt him. Right, like what's that confrontation going to be? Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's really just him just like understanding that like, yeah, what he must look like from yeah. her window. And yeah. then, if I'm reading it right, do uh-huh. you read that then he jumps off her building? Oh, oh my gosh, I don't remember that part. We have to listen to it again. Now I'm not sure if I, I th- there's a lyric that's like, as I step off the brink. Oh. Or as I step off the edge. It's possible. Yeah, I, think, I don't think I, I, now that you said I remember that line, but I don't know if I read it that way at first. Yeah, and I don't know if that's correct that at all. Way. I almost yeah. like the idea that like it's, if it is ambiguous it's that like if it's an emotional stepping off a brink or a literal one either way it's sort of like something big and scary has happened whether or not he just Mm. walks down the stairs and thinks about it or he left yeah and like uh, well we mentioned like the musical interlude part but any like thoughts on the the music overall music like how why you think that aspect of it is, is also so good I mean it's just I mean that musical interlude part is just beautiful I just yeah I just think it's really pretty and that's the end of that and you know it is it's 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 catchy I think mm-hmm. you know a lot of what I love about the Joe Icona stuff is it yeah it really like viscerally hits you and yeah it's just you definitely like walk away singing it yeah no, no matter what yeah <laughs> and also again with like text setting you know like mm. that it's really naturalistic yes, I like absolutely. that a lot feeling okay but mostly all right you know yeah. it's very yeah the uh, and like the I mean the hook is very catchy. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, cool. Um, so final moments, just talking about things that we're excited about um, yeah. in the musical theater world, either happening right now or coming up. Um, so one thing I'm really excited about is Strange Loop at Playwrights yes. Horizons next season. Super exciting. So oh, great for Michael. So great for Michael. I can't wait. I haven't seen a full, a f- I haven't seen that show in full yet. Oh, did so you see the, fi- you didn't see the 54 Below? I've seen videos from it, oh, but okay. I wasn't at the actual concert. Got it, got it. Yeah, he did a concert of it, version of it at 54 Below, I think last year or two years ago. Nice. At some point. Yeah, which was really great. And, uh, yeah, so that's super exciting for him, yeah. for the show. Um, for all of us who get to come see it. Yes. Do you, I'm curious, I don't know if there's an answer to this, but does it feel like a quote-unquote typical Playwrights Horizon show to you? Um, it, it feels, uh, it, well, the thing with this show is that it's just not a typical show in yeah. any way. Yeah, so, I agree. And Playwrights Horizons just does 
non-typical shows sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So it definitely feels right for them. But it feels um, it feel it definitely feels in keeping with their like commitment to um, uh, black artists and especially musical theater writers yeah. like Kirsten Childs and yeah. Robert O'Hara and um, so it definitely um, seems like a, a the right place for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited to hear like Michael's sound in there. Like I maybe yeah. I'm overgeneralizing, and I also. I mean, I have really, I'm the biggest fangirl of Flare's Horizons. Mm-hmm. I tend to love what I see there. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like, Burton Park Boys and Bella, you know, both have scores that are not not pop. Yeah. But to me, Michael Jackson stuff feels even more pop rock mm-hmm. rooted. Yes. Which I'm really excited to see yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's going to be in the big space, which is so exciting. Yes. To, yeah. To have that fill that space will be great. Um, I didn't even know that it's in the big space. That's yeah, so I look. I like. I just assumed like new musical by right. an unknown writer. They're gonna put <laughs> it in the small space, right. and then I looked and it's like, oh no, it's in the big space. <laughs> Gosh, I hope it sells so well and gets all the best reviews. Yeah. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Scene to Song. The theme music you are hearing is by our guest Julia Meinwald. And check back here in two weeks for our next episode.